I'm Stacy Gross, and this is Two Moms Day Drinking. Laura Botter is a school psychologist and the mother to a 14-month-old son. As a mental health professional, Laura said, she did not expect to experience postpartum depression, but if she did, she expected that she'd be able to recognize it and to address it without much trouble. That, said Laura, was not the case. Eventually, Laura said, she worked with her husband and a counselor to address the issue, and Laura now produces a podcast called Postpartum Perspectives, which she hopes will provide a source of information, identification, and support for other moms who may be going through what she did. Yeah, so we're, I'm, it's rough. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be a stay-at-home mom, I'll tell you right now. I know. Uh, I know, so, I think there's a lot of parents that are feeling that way right now. Yeah. Yours is 14 months, you said? He is, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And you wanted to talk about postpartum, right? Yes. Cool. So tell me, tell me a little bit about um, your story, about, you know, your pregnancy and his birth and how you realized that you were going to struggle with postpartum. Sure. Um, so I did not realize that I was going to struggle with postpartum for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I have a background in psychology. I felt like I knew what postpartum depression was, um, and that I would be able to recognize it and like do something about it if I had it. But I really never gave a lot of thought to whether or not I would have it. Mm-hmm. Um, my pregnancy with my son was pretty easy, pretty healthy pregnancy. Um, you know, I worked right up until I had him. Mm. And um, so I kind of had an expectation about how his birth was going to go. My husband and I did like hypnobirthing classes. Um, I very much wanted to do an unmedicated birth. I wanted to do skin to skin right away. Like I just had a a vision kind of how (laughs) wonderful, yeah, and peaceful it was going to be. And it did not go the way that I anticipated it going. Um, For a while it did. When I I went into labor, it started out pretty fast. And um, by the time we got to the hospital, I was six centimeters dilated. My husband and I were like, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to have this baby soon. (laughs) No problems. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And once I hit like nine centimeters, like everything just stopped. Like he he wasn't progressing. Um, Nothing was really moving forward and I just uh like didn't know what to do you know like this was mm-hmm. the thing that they don't you don't really go over that Very in, a, far, yeah. in a hypnobirthing class you know yeah. I was like there doing my breathing and the talk of the hospital floor you know like oh mm-hmm. have you heard this mom that's trying to go natural <laughs> yeah um but yeah I after I think like hours of pushing, nothing was happening. And they told me basically like, okay, well you are going to have to either get some sleep before you mm-hmm. try this again, or you're going to have to have a C-section. Um, so either way you need an epidural. Cause we're either going to give you an epidural to knock you out for a couple hours, like, <laughs> you know, give you a chance to, to sleep, or okay. we're going to give you an epidural as the first step toward your C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was disappointing for me, but you know, kind of was what it was at that point. Um, I was exhausted and I was able to sleep for probably about an hour before Mm -hmm. it sort of started to wear off. Um, and so basically the way his, his birth 
happened was I was so like stubbornly determined to avoid a C-section <laughs> if I could help it. Um, and they basically gave us the option of doing a C-section or a forceps assisted delivery. Mm-hmm. And a forceps assisted delivery is something that I did not even realize they still like did in this day that and age. That was like an 80s thing, I thought. Right. 70s and 80s. They said that and I was like, oh, really? That is an option? Because I did not think, <laughs> think that, that, that was a thing. I still did that. Yeah. Um, but of course, I took that option because <laughs> that was... That was where my head was at. Right. Um, and so we did that. And I think, um, you know, in retrospect, I don't know which way would have been better. I'm sure both recoveries are rough. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, the recovery from my son's delivery was extremely difficult for me. I was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, breastfeeding was really difficult for us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um never really latched particularly well and then it would just kind of be like a cycle of me being stressed out and then him being stressed out and yeah um but that was another thing that I was really stubborn about Mm -hmm. um surprisingly like it's not something I thought (laughs) it's not something I thought I would be stubborn about um when people asked me about it before I had him I would just kind of said like oh yeah I mean I'll try it I'll see if it works if it works out great if Mm -hmm. it doesn't that's great too Mm -hmm. um but once I got into that space like I just could not right accept like I don't know if I yeah like Cubs quitting or what but I just I couldn't accept moving away from that I think that breastfeeding is a really hard thing for women because we're it's kind of the thing right now and we're being told um breast is best and you're doing the best for your child if you do it but if it doesn't work or there's something you know prohibiting it from working I had twins and neither one of them one Mm. would latch and just chew me apart and then the other one would fall asleep so it didn't work out for me and it was really distressing and I didn't expect it to be yeah yeah I think too um you know, looking back on it now, I think some of it was just related to anxiety. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like, um, you know, I hadn't gotten the delivery that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't getting like the peaceful, calm, snuggly maternity right. leave that I wanted. Like yeah. I was in pain. Um, my son turns out had reflux and he just oh. cried, like just yeah. cried and cried. Yeah. Um, so you know, I spent all day wondering, like, why is this baby crying? Yeah. What what can I do to make it better? <laughs> um, and so I think all of that, it just kind of like fed into this cycle for me. Like, I just felt so overwhelmed and I felt like such a terrible mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so breastfeeding was like something that I could do, even though it made me miserable. And I think it probably made him miserable. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, we tried to breastfeed probably for way longer than we ever should have. But most of the time, especially once I went back to work, it was just pumping. Mm-hmm. Just. How long did you, were you on maternity leave for? How long did you have before you had to go back? 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like enough or did you wish that it was more? So it did not feel like enough to me in terms of like my recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of 12 weeks, I was ready for my baby not to be screaming at me anymore. Yeah. Um, which sounds terrible. Um, I don't think it does. <laughs> I completely but, get that. Yeah. But I think, and I think that was, um, probably related to the depression also is just like, I, I wasn't ready to go back to work physically or probably mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, certainly like I was still sleep deprived because my mm-hmm. child would, <laughs> was still not sleeping well and, you know, mm-hmm. waking up 
probably hungry and with his reflex, he was screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was ready to go back to talk to other adults and to mm-hmm. have a routine and to go back to something that I felt good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt the same way. I was home for three years, but ours was kind of a unique situation. I wasn't working. Um, my marriage was a little bit rough and, um, I, I didn't feel ready to go back because emotionally and mentally, I didn't think I was ready to go back, but it was like the best thing for me. Um, but it was a really hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really tough. And going back in some ways made me kind of confront that how I was feeling wasn't totally, you know, where I should be. Um, for the 12 weeks, you know, my, my husband would say like, oh, I think that you're I think that you're depressed or I think that you're, you seem like you're always on edge. And I would say, no, like I'm not depressed. This is not anything out of the ordinary. I'm just exhausted. I have a new baby. I'm in pain. Like, you know, just all the excuses. Um, but when I went back to work and realized that I didn't really feel bad leaving him, leaving my Mm -hmm. son, um, and everyone at work, you know, is seeing me for the first time since having my son is, you know, wanting to ask how the baby's doing. And, oh, my gosh, was it so hard for you to leave him? And right. I was like, oh, yeah, it was really difficult. But I wasn't really feeling that. Yeah. Um, so that I think it kind of forced me to confront that piece. And then it also, at the same time, even though I was not feeling that bad about leaving him, like once we um, put him in daycare, because for the first three weeks after I went back to work, he stayed at home with my husband. Okay. Um, but once he went to daycare, mm-hmm. then that really turned on my anxiety because we weren't able to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just be thinking about if he was okay, um, mm-hmm. if something was going to happen to him at daycare, if they were going to put mm-hmm. him down for a nap and they wouldn't be watching him and he wouldn't wake up. Just like mm-hmm. all of those thoughts would just be playing in my head at work. Right. And at what point did you sort of realize, okay, this is not, this is out of the ordinary and this is, this is something that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Uh, way too late. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. And, and this kind of is what I was talking about at the beginning. Like I, I'm a mental health professional and I did not recognize it in myself at all. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I tried to talk myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say I realized that the anxiety was getting really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess toward the end of the school year. So he went, he went to daycare like at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Um, so like May, June, I started realizing, okay, like, my anxiety is <laughs> off the charts right now. Like right. I, I can't, um, I can't stop thinking about all these things that I know are not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to my primary care doctor and told her what I was feeling. And she kind of asked me some questions about like, are you able to sleep at night? Are you able to get up and go to work? Like, I guess mm-hmm. to see how well I was functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was able to sleep at night whenever my son would let me sleep at night. And I did get up and go to work. Um, I wasn't particularly productive while I was there Mm -hmm. between being exhausted and anxious and pumping three times a day. Yeah, that in itself is insane, the pumping. Oh, my gosh. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, I could go off on. Oh, I know. I have a couple of women who donated breast milk. One woman Mm -hmm. was like a super producer. She donated like 18,000 
like ounces of breast milk. And I'm like, you're insane. I couldn't even produce an ounce when I would try to pump. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Right. Like I, right. Was, I was definitely able to produce with the pump, but, um, maybe if I hadn't been, I would have been able to stop a little bit earlier, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, like I was physically present at work, but that was about it. Yeah. But basically my doctor told me that, uh, based on whatever answers I was giving, like she didn't really feel like I needed to be on medication, but maybe mm-hmm. try some counseling. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she told me that in like June, so we we're just about ready to wrap up the school year, go on summer vacation, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I was already feeling like so anxious and like I had so many different things I was trying to balance to like to try and find a counselor and go to counseling was not something I really wanted to add to my list um so I didn't end up doing it until like after we were done taking our summer vacation and I could kind of see the next school year coming up on the horizon (laughs) I was like okay this is about to be real bad again right um so I did start going to counseling my son would have been like seven months seven and Mm -hmm. a half months old um, and so I had to go through, um, I think a few sessions with her before I felt comfortable enough with her and like right. trusted her to, <laughs> to tell me, um, what was going on. And so, uh, eventually I had my husband come to a session with me and he kind of shared some of the concerns that he was having. And like I talked about, like just constantly being on edge and, um, being really overly emotional mm-hmm. and yeah, the counselor was like, okay, like, I really think this is postpartum depression. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this drives my husband crazy. Cause he's like, well, I was saying that for months, <laughs> but you know, like, oh. yeah, so it's hard. I think from someone else. Right. And I think when you're a, a mental health professional, um, my best friend is a school psychologist in New York state and mm-hmm. um, her son is in counseling. Um, and it was hard for her to make that call because, you know, she felt like I, I'm a professional. I'm a mental health professional. Why can I not help this child? This is what I do and I can't help him and why. So she was almost kind of resistant to it in the beginning, um, even to the idea. Yeah, no. And I totally get that. I think part of it was that, um, either for a while I just didn't believe that I had it I thought it was just normal new mom adjustment stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, once I realized it was going beyond that then I kind of had those thoughts like okay like I should be able to fix this you know Mm -hmm. I I know what I would tell other people to do if they were Mm -hmm. experiencing depression or anxiety Um, but I could not get myself out of it and Mm -hmm. The other thing that um, I talk about a lot now with postpartum depression is that I actually did not have a good understanding of what it was, um, Mm -hmm. which is why I, um, you know, feel strongly about sharing my story and sharing other women's stories because Mm -hmm. um, when I thought of postpartum depression, I thought of like the really extreme Mm -hmm. women who don't get out of bed all day or they... um, have thoughts about hurting themselves or hurting their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the biggest thing I hung on to uh, mm-hmm. in the conversations with my husband was like, well, mm-hmm. I don't have postpartum depression because I'm not thinking about hurting myself. I'm not thinking about hurting our son. Like that's right. just, it's are- just the normal baby yeah. blues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it can be really difficult to tell. Um, the difference between like those intrusive thoughts and Mm -hmm. 
your thoughts. Like you are thinking them, so you think, okay, like that's just this is yeah, this is what's really going through my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what kinds of things um, do you talk about that women? It doesn't need to look like this full blown, um, you know, active, actively suicidal. Um, <laughs> thing what what do you tell women to look for what how do you describe it to people in ways that they may not think of postpartum so i describe mine as first of all like an extremely anxious kind of depression um i just had a lot of those recurring thoughts about like my son's safety about even when he was home with us um i would like carry the video monitor around the house with me and just mm-hmm. like click it almost like, you know, people click their phones, check their phones without even thinking about it. Like I just always had Mm -hmm. it in my hand, clicking it um, to see. And then I wouldn't look away from it until I saw him breathing or saw him Mm -hmm. move. Um, So I think just a lot of, you know, everyone is concerned about their child. Mm -hmm. um, But when it starts to interfere with like what the rest of what you're trying to get accomplished that day, like I did not do anything really at work other than um you know bare minimum requirements um Mm -hmm. and I just kept thinking about is my son okay and then here's everything they have to get done once we get home I need to go get him right away I need to do this and this and this Mm -hmm. so my brain was just like always always going yeah um and then when I was home I just had no energy to do like any of the things that I'd been Mm -hmm. thinking about doing. Right. So then that just increased my anxiety even more because I knew I had all these things I was supposed to be doing and I couldn't do it. Um, The other big thing I would say about my experience um, and other women's experiences, uh, because through um, doing my podcast that I can talk about a little Uh bit, um, But I, so I started a podcast to share other women's stories, like I was saying, for this reason, because I wanted there to be a resource for other, um, for other women to kind of think about like, okay, like what from each of these different stories might fit for me? How can I, um, how can I move toward recovery in a way that feels good for me? Mm -hmm. Um, So some common things that I've heard that kind of meshed with my story would be, first of all, just like feelings of complete inadequacy. Like everyone, I think, um, as a new mom, they don't come with playbooks. Right. Like there's, there's no way to figure out, you know, right away why your new baby is crying or, um, sometimes there's just nothing you can do for them. Um, but I think I really had a lot of expectations for myself and expectations about how my birth was going to go, how new motherhood was going to be, how my maternity leave was going to be. And just like none of my expectations were playing out and it was extremely difficult for me. Yeah. I think that's, um, and I, like I said, I mean, I don't really, my marriage was a, a mess, so there was a lot going on, but I know that was a big, big thing for me. I was like, this is not, I had all these expectations and I'd never had a child. I had never even, you know, babysat a baby. And so I was like, if it's not going according to plan, it's not going according to expectation. The uncertainty of, yeah. of what it's going to be like from day to day was just almost too much sometimes. Yeah. And I, and that's something else that comes up a lot. I think there's a certain kind of um, personality type that's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit predisposed to something like this. And um, 
you know, I have no no science on that to back right. that up. That's just from people that I've <laughs> talked to. But um, people who are like me in the sense that, like, they always like to have a plan for something. Mm-hmm. Um, they like to know what the routine is going to be. Mm-hmm. And babies just upend all of that. They, <laughs> they come with no routines, and they are not very amenable to creating them for quite It almost time. seems like they have a sixth sense about what oh. your expectation and your plan is, and they're like, I'm going to take it in the opposite direction. Yeah, it does. And that's a that's a good point too because that was um I had like that whole set of intrusive thoughts too is that I started like attributing these things to my son like yeah. my tiny baby I would be like oh my gosh like this kid is just not letting me sleep like mm-hmm. or if he was just screaming uncontrollably and I couldn't fix it and I couldn't figure out what he wanted just I would just be like why is he doing this to me like what did yeah. I do to deserve this like all of those kind of thoughts just like giving all this power to this to this baby who's this little just, child just crying you know yeah. for, for any number of reasons but nothing that was you know no yeah. nothing personal against me but right. it, it felt that way and mm-hmm. um you know once I kind of came out of it a little bit and was looking back on some of those things I was like wow like how did I get to that point yeah like, <laughs> yeah thoughts man where I was like mm-hmm. okay um yeah I don't really think that my baby was doing that to me on purpose but yeah in the moment it really felt that way mm-hmm. it gets it, it can get really out of control really quickly um what kinds of things do you do you tell people um are concerning like at what point do things become concerning for you when you are talking to a mom mm-hmm I think that um my biggest piece of advice is like if it doesn't feel right to you then it's not mm-hmm. right um, you know, it's uh, a lot of the women that I've spoken to, and then obviously myself included, have this like stretch of time from a couple weeks to a few months where like they're kind of fighting it in their mm-hmm. head, like, okay, like this is going to get better, or I'm going to do this and this and this. Um, and you know, most of the time, now of course, I my sample of women are women who've experienced these issues, but like. I don't often hear like, oh, yeah, um, I was really worried about myself for about a week and then everything went away and was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, After a certain point, like the baby blues, um, Mm -hmm. that is a typical thing that like sometimes you'll have mood fluctuations for a short amount of time after birth. But like once you start getting into the second, third, fourth month, Mm -hmm. um, if you're still thinking like, okay, something is not okay, Mm -hmm. something's not okay. And um, the other thing I've learned is to listen to other people if they're voicing Mm -hmm. that it's not okay. Don't basically don't argue with yourself or don't argue with other people. Like if if you or someone else is noticing that there's something um, that's off or something concerning, like just go to a doctor and talk about Mm -hmm. it at the very least. Like maybe they'll say that it it is within the realm of normal, or maybe they'll give some suggestions about what you could do or help you think about something in a different way or, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe they will talk about counseling or medication. Um, so once my counselor told me like, okay, I'm pretty sure that this is postpartum depression. She suggested that I, um, you know, consider trying an antidepressant, uh, Mm. see if it works, see how it makes me feel. Um, and so I felt like, okay, like this is, you know, I can get on board with this. This has a name, there's a plan. Mm. Um, 
and I can I can do that. I can handle that. So was that almost a relief to you to be like, okay, finally, like kind of giving into it. Um, and then you have sort of a framework to work with. It was a huge relief. And like, mm-hmm. again, I-, I fought against it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um that it was probably my husband was like, what happened here? Like, I, we've been talking about this for months, but yeah, I, I needed, I guess, a, a professional to tell me um, mm. what was going on and then give me a plan. And it was a huge relief um, knowing that, or just, it was a relief thinking that, uh, there was going to be a way out of it that it wasn't that wasn't how I had to feel about Mm -hmm. motherhood and about my son forever yeah I think that can be kind of the worst part of it I've talked to a few moms who have have had postpartum like for sure and that was the worst part for them it was it felt permanent it felt like this is forever now Mm -hmm. yeah and if you can't um if you don't separate it like you know, for me, those thoughts just felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a mom now and this mm-hmm. is how I feel. And my child is very difficult and he's stubborn and mm-hmm. he cries all the time. And that's, that's just how it is. Um, mm-hmm. so getting on antidepressants for me, was a game changer. I wish I would have done it sooner. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have done it before starting counseling because once mm-hmm. I had the two together, I was so much more open to mm-hmm. being able to, you know, practice the things that we talked about in counseling mm-hmm. um just kind of like cleared my head enough to give me some perspective on the whole situation mm-hmm. I think that's hard for a lot of women too either they don't they're maybe not on board with counseling or they're not on board with medication but really dual work is gives the best prognosis for most mental health issues yeah and you know they're I understand that they're not for everybody and some mm-hmm. people prefer one over the other or have more reservations about one over the other. Um, but I totally agree. I think both of them together are the, are the best thing that you can do for it. Um, yeah. I, and I've talked to people for the podcast that have gone all different kinds of ways. You know, some people mm-hmm. have done both. Some people have done one or the other. Some people have done more like natural supplements. Mm-hmm. It's whatever makes you feel comfortable. But um for me, like it, it going on the medication made me feel so much better, and I'm a much better mom being mm. on it. What do you think? Um, do you think that so when it comes to postpartum, I know obviously there's like a there's a nature aspect, so there's probably a, a neurochemical imbalance. But at what point do the expectations and like does social media and all of the mom arguing contribute? I'm- do you think? <laughs> yeah. So social media is such a like double-edged sword of motherhood, I feel like, mm-hmm. because on the one hand, it's so great to have like mommy groups mm-hmm. online that you can um, post a question and you'll have answers. Um, you can mm-hmm. see what other moms are doing. Um, but I think that it's uh, – it can also give you what am I trying to say? It can also be like a point of comparison that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have. Like you don't right. see 
hundreds of other new mm-hmm. mothers trying to do mm-hmm. their thing like inside their house in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have access to all of these women and some women have really easy, wonderful mm-hmm. deliveries or breastfeeding journeys right. or a sleepy, adorable baby that mm-hmm. <laughs> never cries. Yeah. Um, and so in that way, it can kind of make you think like, okay, well, why can't I do this? Or what mm-hmm. am I doing that my baby isn't so happy and comfortable and mm-hmm. photogenic and all of those? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, having the, the groups that are able to kind of meet you where you are and can um, empathize with your situation is great, but it's really And it almost catches you off guard. You'll think, okay, this is a great group. I'm really, people here get me. And then you'll read one negative comment and it can almost throw you completely off. And it's the one thing that gets stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think honestly, I may have stopped breastfeeding earlier if I hadn't seen so many other moms online Mm -hmm. doing it for so long and really talking about how beneficial it was. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I didn't want to feel like I quit or like I failed at it because I felt like I failed at so much else in his first year. Yeah. That that was like the one thing I felt like, okay, like I I need to keep doing this because this is what's best for him. Right. Do you feel like having a background in um, psychology, I'm sure if you're a school psychologist, it's probably heavy in developmental psychology. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that academic background um, contributed in any way? To me, experiencing the postpartum, um, maybe to the to the degree to which um, you experienced it, or did it did it kind of impact it in any way? I guess. I think that it might have only because I do come at things very like analytically mm-hmm. and with like, okay, well, what's the data show? And mm-hmm. I I did fully understand like the benefits of breastfeeding, mm-hmm. um, but. If if I had done more research on it, I probably would have figured out that, you know, long term, I, there mm-hmm. are not really a lot of differences between breastfed babies and formula fed babies. Right. Um, but it was never something I really researched before because going mm-hmm. into it, I've just kind of had that like, well, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, yeah. great. But yeah. um, once I was in it, that was just the information I was getting, you know, from the, mm-hmm. the mom groups or from um, – well, really, I mean, even from like the hospital and the pediatrician mm-hmm. and all of those people too. So that, I mean, that played a role also mm-hmm. um, in the breastfeeding part. In the postpartum depression part, um, I think it played a role just in the sense that I consider myself to be like a high achieving person, mm-hmm. someone who is on the ball, someone who you know, is in control. And, um, I felt like all of that was falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in some ways it was like your, my identity is shifting mm-hmm. to mom. And at the same time, all these other parts of me that I, you know, pride myself on mm-hmm. not feeling them anymore. Right. I think, um, 
my friend, the school psychologist, and I went to school together. I actually switched to writing, but I started out with psychology and, and um, a lot of developmental stuff. So I always went back to, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, six credits. I could have a psych degree, but I chose writing instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I would go back to the developmental psych and I would be like, oh, attachment. Whoa, what am I screwing up now? And I just, I feel like almost having that background made it worse for me, like the anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um, And to be honest, that part of it, I felt worse or more anxious about like once I started coming out of the postpartum Mm -hmm. depression, because during it, like I, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. It doesn't sound terrible, but (laughs) I didn't, you know, to while I was in it, my son was like I said, like, he was keeping me from sleeping. He was crying Mm -hmm. because, you know, he hated me. Like, I had a lot of these like, uh, adversarial feelings right. toward him. Right. Um, so it really wasn't until I started coming out of it that I was looking back and thinking about those things like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, is mm-hmm. he, is he attached? Is mm-hmm. he healthy? Like, what have I done? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's to be determined. I guess. <laughs> but Yeah. I mean, I think any parent who is active and, and interested and engaged is going to be the type of parent who's going to have anxiety and they're going to have guilt, mm-hmm. you know, whether you have postpartum or not. So that's a normal thing for everybody, I think. But I agree um, to a certain extent. And that's why I said, like, it, it's it's very difficult. Like, I don't I still have not come up with like a good, you know, if you feel X, Y, Z, then you right. definitely have a mood right. disorder and you definitely need to go to the doctor. But just you know, your own intuition. And mm-hmm. like I said, if you're hearing it from other people that know you really well, mm-hmm. um, then that's, that's a tip off to at least look into it further, I think. But right. um, I think too, the, you know, we were talking about the social media mm-hmm. groups and there are good things about them. But one of the most important things that I did during my maternity leave was to actually get out of the house and go mm-hmm. to a new mom's group mm-hmm. um, where I could talk to other moms in person and we all had our babies with us. And so I could kind of see like, yeah, okay, I'm not the only one whose baby is crying yeah, uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, reflux is intense. I have a friend whose son had reflux and I mean, it, it was intense even just when she would visit for a few days. I, I was like, I don't know how to help you because wow, you know, yeah. And, you know, and that started to improve too. We put him mm-hmm. on medication, um, eventually, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a long process for yeah. sure. Um, and you know, he was never really comfortable sleeping on his back because mm-hmm. of it and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. what kinds of things were the hardest for you? Um, as you were coming out of it, what, what kinds of challenges did you have? Um, once you had the realization of what you were kind of dealing with, Um, the biggest challenges for me coming out of it were, uh, probably just, first of all, thinking back on it and wondering, Mm -hmm. like, what kind of damage did I do during (laughs) this time? Probably not very Mm -hmm. much, but you know, I had, I had a lot of guilt about it. Um, cause I felt like in some ways I just spent his first year like resenting him and, Mm -hmm. um, probably missed out on, on some things that you know, other new moms might have that experience. Mm-hmm. 
That's familiar to me. I had twins and it was pretty much just me um, doing a lot of the caretaking. um, And I did not get the opportunity to bond with them the way I would have liked to have. So um, I I do recognize that um, anxiety. I I can't even imagine having twins. (laughs) It's intense. And they're, they're night and day. So, I mean, developmentally, they're at the exact same point. They have the same developmental needs. They're both super intelligent, which makes it harder. And, um, but their personalities, I mean, what, what parenting style will help one is will set the next one off, you know? So I have to be two different parents often simultaneously. So how did you get started with your podcast? Yeah. So that idea, um, that idea came out of like, I guess my own experience and not really having a good idea Mm -hmm. about what postpartum depression really was. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to create a resource for other moms to be able to hear other stories and see their experiences and kind of think about, like, um, is that what I'm experiencing? And, and then also to see how different women handled it, how they came mm-hmm. out of it. Um, and so the idea for the podcast came from, like, well how can I reach a lot of women? Mm-hmm. What do new moms spend a lot of time doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was either watching really bad reality TV or <laughs> listening to podcasts while I yeah. was trying to feed my son and get things done around the house. Um, so that's how I came up with that idea. And it's like totally out of character for me, you know, like yeah. I'm an introvert by nature, like mm-hmm. not, I don't usually like put myself out there. Out there. Um, yeah. But I just, I really, that was like just a passion project for me from mm-hmm. the beginning. So, yeah, same with mine. I was a columnist though for a long time. I have always written, but I've always preferred sort of a um, communicating, but um, at a distance from the audience. So I like the idea of a podcast. Um, and that, that was the goal always for me too, is just to, um, I know when I was in the worst part of, you know, parenting in the early years, that first three years, I was on Google just looking for anyone who could say, I've been where you are. So I felt like if I could make up, if I could just get a bunch of people to come on and say, this is what I struggled with. And if one person hears it and feels better afterwards, then I'm. Yeah. And I think the other great thing about the podcast, um, like it's been a really healing experience for me as well, mm-hmm. because when I first came up with the idea, I was like, okay, but how many women are really going to want to share their stories about this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very personal thing. Right. Um, so the response I've gotten is just, it's been amazing. I've been so impressed with the women that I've gotten to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's a great collection of stories and I'm really honored that people are willing to talk about it. And I'm really honored that I get to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. What's your podcast? What is your podcast called? It's called Postpartum Perspectives. Okay. And it is on all major podcast platforms. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I will definitely um, put that out there, for, like promote it when I um, put this out. Um, Thank you. Yeah. What is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't or anything that you wanted to kind of talk about or touch on that I didn't bring up? Oh, let's see. Um <laughs> Well, so I think before I uh, had to take a little break there. Um, <laughs> <Right. clears throat> 
I was talking about the importance of going um, and actually getting to interact with other new moms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that um, that was a big piece of (laughs) kind of how I was able to hold it together um, as well as I did over maternity leave, partly because, um, you know, it gave me an opportunity to get out of the house and to get advice from, like, (laughs) other real women, like, live in the same area that I do, had a lot of the same experiences that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just gave me something to look forward to every week as far mm-hmm. as like even having just a little piece of that routine back, you know, it's like, right. all right, every Tuesday at this time, like my son and I are getting bundled up and we are going to this place and we're going to see, you know, the the new moms and the little baby friends. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for me. So um, normally I recommend that mm-hmm. as well, but mm-hmm. obviously in the times that we're in right now, yeah, I know I cannot recommend that at this point. I don't know That's... if this will air, but yeah, it's as, of be... recor- as of the time of recording, we are very much quarantined. Yeah. 323, 2020 is, this is not a good week for a lot of parents. I know a lot of parents are struggling. We've been out of school for two weeks. We've got another week to go and, and more than likely we're going to be out for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. what can parents do? Like how, how can, how are you recreating that for yourself? If you are. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think, I think everyone's still kind of in shock a little bit right now. Like it does not seem real. This Uh, is like the twilight zone. I've never in my life, I'm I'm 36 years old and never in my life have I ever, mm -hmm. um, seen this happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm about the same age. I'm 31. Like, people are trying to compare it to, like, well, this is how it felt after 9-11, or this is how it felt. I'm like, no, this is not the same thing. Yeah. Um, Or even, like, you know, some of the other outbreaks we've had, like Mm -hmm. swine flu or SARS or whatever. But Yeah. I'm like, so I don't really – I don't really know like uh, quite yet what direction we're going to be taking all of this. Um, I will say, you know, as a a school psychologist, obviously I work in the schools and Mm -hmm. um, the people who work in public schools are trying as hard as they Mm -hmm. possibly can to help parents and to try and normalize this for parents, Mm -hmm. for their students. Um, But it's just not normal. Yeah. Uh, and I totally recognize that it's stressful. It's stressful for everybody. Um, again, like as of time of recording, Mm -hmm. I am a school psychologist who recently found out that my state has closed schools for the rest of the school year. Mm -hmm. And I am a mom who now has a 14 month old that does not go to daycare anymore. Mm -hmm. So like, um, it's a lot of big changes for everybody. Mm -hmm. And even, um, you know, in the last week or so in my own little family, you know, my husband is now working from home full time. Mm-hmm. I am working from home ish, mm-hmm. virtually whatever they decide to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, our son is home. Um, it's a lot of togetherness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And it's, 
Um, it's another thing where I, I, there are a lot of moms right now on Facebook and I'm having to dose Facebook for myself because these are women who I really enjoy being around, but they are posting some things like, don't, your kids are not a burden and you should not be joking about having to be home with them. And I'm like, but that's the only way I can deal with it is joking about, you know, so I'm having to really dose social media for myself right now. Yeah. And I think it's, everybody responds to these kinds of things Mm -hmm. differently. It's going to be more stressful for some people than others. I mean, Mm -hmm. if there are people who already stay home with their children, then this is not really a big shock to their system. Right. If it's people who are used to sending their kids to daycare and seeing them Mm -hmm. for an hour at the end of the day, which is kind of how my husband and I have -hmm. been working it. um, It's really difficult to try and then like refigure your whole life over the course of a week um, and then your children have their routines have just been mm-hmm. completely upended as well. And mm-hmm. depending on how old they are, they're going to process all of that differently. Yeah. Um, you know, school age children range in age from five to 18. Right. And so you have kids who are worried about, will I be able to graduate high school mm-hmm. to kids who are like, oh, this is terrible. I can't see my friends. Yeah. Um, Kids who have good relationships with their teachers, kids who, you know, rely on school for food, like, Mm -hmm. um, social interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, it's a, it's a huge change. And I have one daughter who has extreme anxiety about a lot of things. So I'm having to mitigate her anxiety, um, and kind of set the tone for her, which is, um, kind of intimidating because she can get really anxious really quickly. Yeah, and it's not like as adults we really know anything that the kids mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, for the most part. Again, my son is 14 months, so I, right. we don't explain this to him. Um, <laughs> but he knows that his routine is different, and mm-hmm. he, I think, is responding to that too. Like for the last week or so, he's been extremely mm-hmm. – um, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but he just – he mm-hmm. has a lot of outbursts. He's just very mm-hmm. frustrated. Um mm-hmm. He wants all of our attention all the time, which we can't yeah. give him because we're trying to work from home. Right. Um, and so, yeah, his routine has been get up, go to daycare. Mm-hmm. That's where he has breakfast. That's where mm-hmm. he has lunch. That's where he has snack. He plays yeah. with his friends. He sees his teachers. And then one day all of that just stops. Just changes. And, yeah. yeah. And you can't – I can't explain to him why, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I feel like no matter what age your kids are, it comes with different challenges. Right. And so I think the best thing that parents can do is to take care of themselves, make sure that they That's are – a really good point. Make sure that they are healthy and, um, you know, if you're having anxiety about this, mm-hmm. as I'm sure most people are, um, mm-hmm. because it's a huge unknown. Yeah. Um, but I guess you have to try as best you can to, like you were talking about with your daughter, like not project that anxiety onto yeah. your kids. Um, they're yeah. going to pick up on some of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have the news on in the background mm-hmm. or whatever, like yeah. they'll, they'll have some idea of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as, as a parent in this situation, the best thing you can do is just sort of put your own, uh, <laughs> put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before, 
figuring out what to do with your children because I I feel like there's gonna, there's no like one piece of advice I can mm-hmm. give at this point because each child is going to process things like this differently. Like I mm-hmm. said, some kids will think, okay, great, no school. I'm just going to hang yeah. out. Like, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. Some kids are going to be very upset that they don't get to go to school. So, they, you know, you know your children and you know yourself. And so you mm-hmm. have to kind of mesh all that together. The, yeah. the biggest thing, um, well, maybe not the biggest thing, but a big thing too is just that in everyday lives, I think it's pretty rare that we're just with our families yeah. for an extended period of time. And um, I it's a huge adjustment. Yeah, it's a huge adjustment. And I think it's just going to create more conflict. People are stressed mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, for some families, their livelihoods are yeah. not there anymore mm-hmm. um, because of what's being shut down. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a really good piece of advice, honestly. And I didn't think about that. But um, if you're not well and you're not doing well with this, then your kids are not going to be doing well. So right, finding whatever it is that's going to kind of keep you afloat is probably the most important thing. Yeah. And I think just being forgiving with yourself as a parent too, like mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some people that are like, oh, like my kids shouldn't be playing this much. <laughs> you know, they shouldn't be playing all these video games or they shouldn't be watching this much TV. Right. Um, and at this point, like I wish my son would just sit and watch a TV show, but he will right. not. <laughs> he will not. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think we can't hold ourselves to those normal everyday standards because this is not normal every day. This is a completely, completely unique experience. So whatever you got to do to get through it, I think is completely acceptable short of, you know, like verbal abuse. I don't know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, don't, you don't want to do anything. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do any of that, but (laughs) And I'm thinking too, like, you know, as a, as a school psychologist, I don't want to advocate that you just stick your kids in front of screen right. the whole time. But I also fully understand that, you know, we're being more and more locked down. Mm-hmm. So who are, who's supposed to watch the kids? Yeah. And there's no, there's no research that's been done on what do you do with your kids during a pandemic? Like what's right. the best parenting style during a pandemic? So, I mean, there's really no literature for this. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody so. is, uh, I don't think anyone is going to judge you for any parenting decision yeah. that, um, yeah. you make as long as you're making it in the best interest of your child, because that's right. the best thing that you can do. Right. What, um, going forward. So you're out of school for the year. What, um, yeah. Well, how does that work now for your school system? I mean, um, are you guys doing distance learning? Are you, um, doing any at home education or is it kind of everything's on hold? Well, we're, we were going to be putting um, distance learning into place, I believe. Um, you know, we were starting to like lay the groundwork for that. Last week was the first full week that we were out of school. So mm-hmm. they were come telling us like, okay, just uh, be with your families and more information will be mm-hmm. coming. So as best I can tell right now, yes, we, I think mm-hmm. are going to be doing some, some distance learning for the students, yeah. but I think they're still trying to figure stuff out. Like, what do you do for students that need to graduate? Mm-hmm. What do you do for students that require special education services? That's a hard one. And even here, um, we're we're in a very rural area, so I mean, they can they can put distance education in place, but you know, we're fifty percent of our children in our school district are at or below poverty level. They don't have internet, so how are right. you going to? So it's just a really weird time, I think, for everybody. So. 
It is. I'm I'm sticking with um you know what? We're going to go get some tadpoles out of the pond and we're going to, you know, just I don't know, learn about the world around us while we wait. Yeah, and I think I think that's it. I think it's just going to be a lot of like what what can families do because again, it's also individualized. Mm-hmm. Like you have some parents that are still working from home. You have some yeah. parents that are out of work now, but mm-hmm. um, you know they're stressed out about that, of yeah. course. And they're you know who who knows what what all everyone is trying to do at home yeah. right now. Um, and there's just all all levels of what parents can help with, and that's okay. Like they're you know it's. Again, I think it is what it is. It, it is. It's like you do the best you can with what you have. And yeah. Everybody knows there. Every family is different. Every kid is different. And I think this is a really good opportunity for a lot of parents who have sort of outsourced. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but outsource their kids' education or their kids, you know, daily routines to school or to daycare. This is a really kind of an opportunity to, to get to know um, your kid and, and what their needs are emotionally and um, cognitively. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it doesn't have to be, you know, no one's expecting you to recreate school Mm -hmm. or to be a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say this. um, I have been home with my kids for one week with another week to come. And every single teacher, administrator, every single person who interacts with my kids every day Mm -hmm. deserves to make a million dollars a week. Like, right. End of story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Now imagine that you have a class of 25 to 30 Mm -hmm. of them or a school of hundreds of them. Yeah. I've heard horror stories from teachers and I mean, I've always appreciated what teachers do, but I think I have, it's gone to an an even greater level at this point. Like bless every single one of them. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like I said, I, I, I assume for the most part for, you know, schools that are going to continue to be closed that distance learning options will be in effect. And so teachers are still going to be working their very hardest for their students. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. What's the coolest thing that you've um, learned or gained from doing your podcast? What um, about the postpartum situation? What's the best thing that you've gained from it? Um, I think the best thing that I've gained from it is just realizing like how willing women are to talk about their experiences and how willing they are to support each other. Um, you know, once you've gone through something like that, it can be really easy to kind of just curl back up into your mm-hmm. shell and um, kind of protect that experience. And I think the fact that I have had so many women willing to share mm-hmm. that has definitely been the best thing. Um, and then just from my own, like, psychological analytical side of it like mm-hmm. I do try and think about like okay what are some similarities that run through mm-hmm. a lot of these stories what are differences mm-hmm. um and I just I I hope that uh first of all I hope that the podcast is helpful you know I mm-hmm. hope that women listen to and at least feel like they aren't alone if nothing mm-hmm. else um hopefully yeah. they also take some advice from it or you know figure out what will work for them as far as moving mm-hmm. forward from it but mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that it's helpful and I hope that the podcast is helpful to other women. And I also hope, you know, as a country, we continue to make changes as far Mm -hmm. as postpartum care, um, Mm -hmm. education about postpartum depression before you have your baby. Um, 
That is something I did want to ask you. Did you, and I ask this of a lot of women, and especially mm-hmm. when I'm moving out of my geographic area, did you get a lot of instruction in that or in breastfeeding or in, you know, childcare or development at, at any point from your hospital, from your OB, from your midwife or whoever um, dealt with you during your, your pregnancy and birth? No. And I think that's such an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Um because I went to a practice where they have doctors, they have OBs, and they have midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw a variety of them throughout. Um, mm-hmm. And you have so many doctor's appointments mm-hmm. when you're pregnant. And yeah. somehow, at least in my experience, they never really say like, okay, so here's a possibility. Here's mm-hmm. what you could be looking out for, for you and also for your partner or mm-hmm. a support person. Um it just, it didn't come up. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. something that really needs to happen more. And same with breastfeeding. Like there's Mm -hmm. a, they offer a class, Mm -hmm. I think, but they don't, (laughs) they don't force you to take it. Um, And somebody, I mean, I, I had just had two children, never had any, you know, even babysat a baby, you know, on my own before. And they, they hand me two kids and they're like, here's a couple of ways you can hold them, give the snipple shield a try. And then it's gone. You're, they're gone. And I'm like, I have no, all I have is what I am getting from, you know, um, just the, the general tone of breastfeeding, which is that I have to do it. And if I don't do it, I'm doing my baby a disservice. And so there's a lot of pressure, but not a lot of education. Yeah, which I think kind of lends itself to that idea mm-hmm. that like, oh, breastfeeding is natural, like it's yeah. just going to happen. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like you have this baby and it doesn't yeah. happen naturally. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, like what's going on here? Yeah, Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had lactation consultants in the hospital mm-hmm. who were lovely to work with. But, right. um, you know, you're only, I was only in the hospital for like, yeah. what, 48 hours? Yeah, a couple days. Yeah. After he was born. Mm-hmm. So... And literally all I had to do, like I left the hospital, all I had to do was sign a piece of paper that said, I promise not to shake this baby. And that was it. That was like my only background check. Right. And they're like, okay, well, cool. Right on. Leave with your baby now or (laughs) babies in your case. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's just, there's not, in my opinion, there's just not enough education around it. Um, And it, it makes new motherhood even more difficult Mm -hmm. because you just don't know what to expect. Right. Do you have any resources that you kind of point people towards if they're having a question about breastfeeding that are kind of non-biased and not going to shame you, but are going to give you information or do you not have any? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I have any breastfeeding specific resources, Mm -hmm. um, other than to say that, you know, lactation consultants are really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. you can find one in your area. Some of them, will like come to your house. Mm-hmm. Some of the, um, like my son's pediatrician's office has a lactation mm-hmm. consultant. So, uh, they are very helpful and, mm-hmm. um, they can work through a lot of different breastfeeding issues. Mm-hmm. Um, for postpartum issues in general, I always, mm-hmm. uh, point people toward postpartum support international and I okay. always link them in my show notes. Okay. Um, just because, you can leave a message with them at any time oh, wow. and somebody will get back to you, um, give you resources in your area. Um, so they're just really, really helpful. That is completely new information to me. It was postpartum support international. Correct. Yep. Okay. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. That's great. 
Um, I, I honestly, I can't think of anything else that I wanted to ask. Is there, is there anything that I left out? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> this was awesome. And I'm sorry about your, um, I'm sorry. No, God. you're fine. I just apparently have never, I haven't, um, talked for an hour or yeah, half an I hour, I guess, yeah. recently because. Bob it happens okay. to me. It happens to me every time that I am trying to have a conversation. Job interviews, it loves it pops oh, up for me all the, the time. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. No, it's just, you know, it's like it's just one of those daycare colds. Yeah. And like you know, I, every time I go outside now, I'm like, okay, I can't cough because right. I know freak out. Someone like, is gonna show up with a van and I like know. quarantine me in a federal and my, facility. And my son always has like you know mm-hmm. that low grade like runny nose <laughs> cough. Yeah. We just call it the daycare crud around yeah. here because it just like never goes away. I so. have a friend whose son is getting ready to go to daycare for the first year or no. preschool. And he's like, I've already told him you can't be touching things and putting your hands in your mouth. You're going to get oh. sick. And I'm like, oh, sweetheart, he's going to get sick every day. Like, he's it's just a petri so dish. <laughs> and the first time he gets sick, his parents are mm-hmm. also going to get incredibly sick. Yep. Yep. That, oh. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, I, it's like we I can still remember exactly because I was just like, this is so perfect. Like we brought my son to daycare on April 22nd. It was a mm-hmm. Monday. On Wednesday, I picked him up from daycare and he was coughing. I heard my little baby coughing in the back. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. By the weekend, he was sick. Mm-hmm. And by like early next week, my husband and I were both sick. Mm-hmm. But like the babies recover so much faster than we do. Oh, I know. So he just had like a little cold and he was kind of like, <laughs> you know, for a little bit. <laughs> right. So I'm going to make off now. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I had like a hundred degree fever that lasted for days. I was out yeah. of work for like three days. My husband was out of work. Like it was insane. So. Mine get over there is in a day and I'm like, you're going to need to give me another week. I'm not yeah. ready for you at full octane yet. So and that's what it was. Like I could feel it coming on like the last week that we still had work. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is gonna be terrible. Yeah. And then, as soon as they were like, hey, you don't have to go to work next week. I'm like, oh, great. But yes. now I have this daycare cold. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I apologize. No, you're fine. For that. But I appreciate you having me on. And yeah. Let me share my story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And um, so I've got, I put my episodes out every Saturday on Patreon and I give the patrons a week ahead, like a a week ahead. And then, so the following Thursday, it will be out on um, all the major platforms. Um, I will send you the link. Laura talks about the difficulty of accepting the need for outside help through her postpartum depression as a mental health professional, which is a common theme among the providers and professionals I've spoken with. I love having professionals on the show who are willing to talk about their own struggles because it highlights an essential truth about mental health issues that is also reflected with the current COVID-19 crisis. No one is immune to certain things, and postpartum depression is for sure one of those things. I really appreciate Laura being willing to share her story on my podcast, as she has other women do on her own podcast. You can hear Laura's show, Postpartum Perspectives, by following the link in today's show notes. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend, and come back next week for another episode. The music for this podcast was written and produced by my father, Bob Gross, on his goddamn electric ukulele. Stacey Gross, and this has been Two Moms Day Drinking. See you next week.